ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spirit and Steinberg Podcast. Right here with Spears. How y'all feel out there? Ben Butler here. Good evening. Bartholomew Carrington III. Ten dollars a lot of money. Yeah. What time is it? Game time. Bug Space. Kick it. man uh he actually sent me an instagram i mean a dm uh and told me about this uh because he was like aries i know you guys are in the documentaries so you got to check out this documentary folks this is a good one who was it do you, do you, do you I, don't, I don't i don't remember All his right. name um what is it called officially i don't know do you remember no but it's on your ipad yeah it's on my ipad I don't, did you cut it off it should still be on there oh, okay uh, yeah, cool. Da, 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 da. All right, let me bring this up real quick. Um, yeah, um, it is called Crime Scene: The Times Square Killer. Um, and it's in the same vein of uh, Night Stalker. Only I think Night Stalker was like. Six episodes or something? Yeah, it was more episodes. And I thought this was better. Yeah. And which, okay, we'll get to that immediately. Um, This is only three episodes, 40 minutes an episode. Why'd you think this was better? Because this used uh, Times Square as I thought was the main character. Interesting. Because that way it brings you into what's happening. Right. As opposed to where the uh, Richard Ramirez one was all about... Richard Ramirez. Yeah, you're kind of looking through a window. The other right. one brings you into Times Square where you're part of, you're, you're around it. Right. Uh, I just felt it had a different effect. And it's easier to get into it when uh, it's giving you more of the landscape of the, of, the, of the situation where Ramirez was just like, we have to deal with this mental fuck. Right. This, it's, this is still a mental, mental person that we're dealing right. with. Also interesting, and I don't want to, get, I want to be able to talk our whole way through it, but because they used uh, Times Square as one of the characters... And the murderer is still alive. This makes it interesting right. as well. Where right. with, with Ramirez, it's different because he eventually, <clears throat> he eventually died. Yeah, and so you don't get the <clears throat> you don't get the today moment of him. Right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Ramirez to me was just scarier. I mean, and when they showed him with those jet black eyes and the disheveled hair. He looked like what you knew he was. Yeah, he didn't look human anymore. Right. This dude, uh, until you knew, you 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 would have thought, and that's in one of my notes, the same guy that did a bar stool. What I'm but saying. that's scarier to me. Really? Yeah, because that's the dude sitting next to you on the plane, and you had a whole conversation with him. Right. And you can't even tell that he's a twist. A twist. As we get into it. Obviously, I think this dude's more twisted than uh, 
Ramirez. Ramirez was more fucked up, but this dude's twisted in a different way. Right. Um, you know, uh, the thing opens up and they talk about the first murder uh, at the hotel where the hotel's on fire. And then the fire guys go to the hotel. Fire guys? Firemen? Yeah, okay. I just like fire guys. fire guys. I think they should change it. The uh, fire what guys. fire guys? Um, the firemen go to the hotel, and, and when they open the door, they say they see the corpses on the bed. And they say the one fireman goes to give one of the bodies CPR, and then he's throwing a bat because the heads are missing and the hands are missing. So obviously there's no way to identify who these people are. Um, and, you know, like I said, how I feel about blood and bones and gore, you know, sick is sick, right? I don't know if there's degrees of sickness, of, of psychotic, but how fucked up are you and how evil do you have to be when you can go to decapitate someone at no point from the beginning before you fully decapitate them, don't you stop and either throw up or, or, or just go, ooh, this is, like, you just can complete that? You know, I can answer this now because you fucked me up last night. Here's the thing. I'm going to build you guys a scenario real quick. Aries tells me about this and says I have to watch it, wants to talk about it. I'm like, cool. He goes, Andy. It's on my iPad. I brought it. I want you to watch it as soon as possible. So last night after the show, I was done. I was tired. I'm ready to go back to the room. I got a burger from the club. I was going to go back to my room. I wasn't going to go out, do anything, except go back to the room, watch this show, and eat my burger. And I tell Aries, I'm just going to go back and do that. Aries said to me, Andy, you really could eat and watch this? I go, it's a movie. I go, I know it's real, but it's just a movie. You know, I'm not documentary. Yeah, doc. I'm not going to put it. I'm not thinking about it while I'm enjoying my burger. I'm just Oof. getting some, just getting some information. I, I really think that I can remove myself from the two. Uh, if it was, and I said, and if it, unless it's all blood and gore, where I see it happen, and it's not going to affect me that way. I mean, if I was to see a movie where they're actually chopping up people and you're seeing it, it probably yeah. would. Then it would affect me, but not not a documentary. So I get back to the room and I put it on. And, Got my burger out. I got it all ready to go. Perfect. Had everything going. Got the, the, the iPad set up and I'm starting to watch it. And I'm eating my burger and it starts off. And I didn't think they would have actual scenes from the murder. Right. But, but they were filming. They, they filmed the coming in afterwards while they're investigating. They're showing it. And you can see the body on the bed right. after the fire. And you right. see the skin and the right. knee. And, you know, and you hear the thing about the head. I'm still eating my burger and I hadn't, and I hadn't really put it together. You know, I'm just watching. And then, and then Aries' voice creeps in my head. You can watch this and separate the two. And then as soon as I, your head, and I'm eating the burger. As soon as what you said got in my head, I'm eating the burger. And then I put the two together and I was like, motherfucking Aries, man. Ruin my fucking burger. Because now I have to relate the two. Now I have to relate the fact that I'm eating a burger. I'm eating meat. Right. Well, the guy and specifically talks about the head being gone. Right. And I put my burger, I had gotten about a third of it down, and I put my burger in the thing and put it and threw it in the garbage. And I was like, fuck Aries. <laughs> well, we're even now because I forget what it was, but you had me watch something. There was Night Stalker. Yeah, yeah. 
And I went, I said, and I said that on a podcast. I went, motherfucking Andy. He knows I don't like this. So we not yeah, we're even literally even on sadistic shit. Normally though, that wouldn't have fucked me up. It was that you said it and you like put it together and that and now I mean this and and the way that they talked about the head being right. gone. Uh, very key point though is the head being gone and what you just said. Uh, and that's why I said, yeah, you I, I could answer it. I, I never put those two together until you made me put those together. Right. And I, I think it and this is where uh, why I think this guy is more twisted is because what you just said. How can you cut off the head, and the arms, and not get sick? And when this guy's convicted, they only convict him of a couple murders. Right. You're not at the stage of cutting heads and hands off. Right. If you're two murders in. Right. He he moved up to uh, black belt kung fu level of killing. Yeah. So right. as soon as I saw the heads and, the, and that was the first one that they found, I knew just from the little bit of you know stuff that we've done here on the podcast and, and looking at these crazy right. guys going mental. That isn't that isn't your opening move. That isn't the pawns <laughs> coming out of the game. Right, right? right. This is this is someone and you said throw up. Even if you're a killer, that you still have some connection to your the thing you're killing at first, and then the more you do it, the less connection you have to it, and that's like a and so for him to be able to cut off hands and leave everything the crime scene and do what he did, you're 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 deeper than two. You you've killed more than two. Right. So, um, you know, and he alluded to that. He alluded to that uh, when he was interviewed in jail. Yeah, and he goes. Um, yeah, those are the kills that you know about. And then he goes, uh, I used to kill women every other week for 13 years. Yeah. And then they said what that, that number would be. 80. Yeah. Like 80. So, 80. But that's the that's the part where when at the beginning of this, when the police are investigating, I'm like, what, 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 there has to be a lot more like the connection. And they discuss. They never really say it, but they you understand that before all the computers and the police departments and the separate agencies, they weren't communicating together. So, you know, this they could have been all over. And, and I got I, I got to tell you, man, I shouldn't say this because it's, it's just like my brain is fucked up. And I say I, I think some weird shit sometimes. And after I saw it, I was thinking to myself, you know, a comedian actually would be a great job for a serial killer. Because you travel all the time, so you wouldn't be in the same place. Now, you might, not, like, the first time you go there, you might not know anything about it. But by the couple times you've been here, you kind of know some areas, you know the hotel. You know how long it would take them to figure out? Now Now that I'm saying that, though, now the FBI is probably going to make sure that there's... <laughs> check my schedule. Are you the comic killer? Yeah. But I was thinking anybody who travels and really and repeats the same places that they go right, to, right. they would have that ability so I was like, that would be a good job if you're going to be a serial killer. So, but there's a possibility. Just think about this. In all the years that you've been doing this and all the murders, you might know one comic serial killer that's been going around all this time. And we don't even know. It could be in our, it could be in our group. It could be in our industry. You know, <clears throat> again, this is why in, in, in an effort to not sound repetitive, but I got to this, I got to make the point. This is why I so have a hard time sometimes believing in God. Because my thing is this. How do you kill for 13, for 13 years? At any point, if he really went, 
you know, I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm not doing this anymore. He may never have gotten caught because I believe that you can't just go on killing people and not get caught. At some point, you are go- everything comes to an end. At some point, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to get you exactly. But to be able to go 13 fucking years, dude. And at any point in that 13 year run, if he said, yeah, I'm done, especially when the cop early in the documentary said that this was before DNA. This was before the cameras and technology. Seven years before DNA. So he could have quit and lived the rest of his life, you know, knowing that he killed all them people and nothing bad. But karma does not at some point go and it it, it doesn't go 13 years is a bit long. Let me stop this motherfucker at four. 13 years. 13 years. It's insane. And and to be honest, as you're watching it. And one of the guys that testifies against him works with him. Yeah. And I don't want to go too far because I I like how we're, we're doing this, but. He, uh, I think he wanted to get, I think he was tired of doing it. I think he wanted to get caught. I know it sounds ridiculous to say you want to get caught, but he's starting to give clues. To right. Why would you do that? If you, if you really wanted to get away with it, cause you don't give, but, but, or you want some credit for it. Okay. But the lady, one of the late, the lady that said she interviews serial killers to get inside the mind, she goes, and, and one of the, the threads here is that these guys are cocky. Yeah. They're arrogant because they do get away with it. And feel like they're unstoppable. But I think you want, you have to have some people have some idea because, God, it just sounds so fucked up to talk about it this way. But if this is your gig, if this is how you get off, right. if this is what, obviously, he, you get some satisfaction out of doing this or you couldn't do it, right? How do you, how do you not want someone to know? You know? Right. How do you not want someone, you know, because you're accomplishing. But is it the goal to stay out of jail? The goal is to stay out of jail, but you're winning championships. You know, you got to. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Jesus, <man. laughs> you, want, you want someone to see your trophies, you know? Right. Because he's keeping that shit. Right, right. And, and as we go into this, you're going to hear more about this. But if you see this documentary, first of all, highly recommend everybody. Watch. I think it's an easy watch. It's an easy watch. And and and, and to go back to, to, to me going, fuck you, Andy. I remember when I and I said this. I remember when I started watching Night Stalker. This is the kind of shit that makes me. Uh, but dude, it's like a great fucking novel. It, you, it's it's like a, a a a fat bitch who's at home eating ice cream, betting her cat, reading a great novel. It sucks you in, but the story is told really. It's not. This story, as much as it is about the murder, it's also about that moment in time and, right. and Times Square. And right. Like I said, that's what made it easier to watch because when they're talking about Times Square and they're talking about the area, the deuce, yes. and what's going on. I mean, that's and, and as we said, we both had a connection to that time period of New York. I went there in the 80s. I was a little late because that was that was 70s uh, all the way into into the 80s when it started to end. But we were both there, and there's a connection to that. But you got to enjoy it at least on an adult level. Yeah, I did. So, so even though I don't know, you know, I'm not assuming. Well, I'm assuming you didn't get into the seediness of it, but you still were an adult walking the streets, and you saw it. But one of the things I was saying that I wanted to say for the podcast to tell you is, 
I wasn't going in there for the peep shows. There was the peep shows. There was still some of that when I went out there. Uh, the people that are out on the front, the barkers, the guys trying to get you in, the people, uh, the, 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 the seediness. The solicitors? Yeah, that are right. out in front of the... Right. These are interesting characters. The people that you watch going in and out of these places, interesting characters. And when I used to go to New York when I was young, uh, I never took a, a subway or a taxi. I walked the streets because everywhere you walked in New York, especially in those areas, it was a show. Man, there was something yeah. to see. This is area was, you, and you had to be careful. You had to know what you were doing and where you right. were at. You couldn't look like a tourist. Right. Uh, I went there with this girl one time, not to Times Square, but I was in, uh, I think we were walking around Brooklyn. Um, and I, I, we got off on the wrong, <laughs> we got off in the wrong place. And there was like actually a trash can. And it wasn't a trash can, but like an oil can with uh, a fire in it and some people standing around. And it was, it was, it was, a, it was an area that wasn't pleasant. She pulled out her map because we were lost. I go, put your fucking <laughs> map away. We are and, not and lost. That's, and that's exactly how you say that. Your fucking map away. Like, bitch, do you know where we are? Yeah. We, you don't. The reason you're pulling the map out is because you don't know where we are. But we don't want everybody else to know that we, we don't, don't know, know where, where we are. fucking are. Right. And she's like putting out a red flag, and I'm like, dude, put that fucking away. She goes, well, we don't. I go, I know where we are. We're lost. That's where we are. Right. right. Now our goal is to get back to somewhere else before everybody else figures out we're fucking lost. Right. Too. Right. So, uh, but that area, the seediness, walking around, the characters. This and I think that's what really brought me into this is because that's what they're talking about, and it was such an interesting time. Honestly, and this is, and they talk about it a little bit. It isn't, it isn't a place that should be. Times Square at that time isn't a place that you want to put up on, yeah, and put up on this greatness. But there's something missing from that time that was amazing about that time. And and the, even though it was rough, and, but the grittiness of it and the freedom of it gave you characters that we'll never see again. And that's kind of amazing. That's missed. Well, you know, <clears throat> when they talk about what it is now, corporate Disneyland. It's so touristy because, but it's always been a magnet because of the lights, the nighttime. Yeah. They, even when they go back to the, to the twenties and thirties, yeah, it was always that. That's where you went and saw shows. The, the, right. the peep shows are right across from, from the, the grand uh, musicals and, and, right. and state performances that are going on. Right. So, uh, and they're all in the same area, which causes some other issues. Right. Uh, but, but but the thing is, and I, as I said to Andy last night, if we were to come up right now, like 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 Neri just had a baby girl, like let's say she was born in New York, and yeah, she experiences New York Times Square now. She don't know nothing but what it is now. Again, I'm a little envious of you because you at least as an adult got to go into the boogie land a little bit. Yeah, I didn't. I was a child, but I remember. Walking with my dad up and down Times Square. And like I said, there was the porno theaters. They had the TVs outside showing you a preview with a porno. I remember when we would walk over, let's see, 42nd Street, 8th Avenue, maybe 7th Avenue, one block over where Port Authority was. Right there was all the 25 cent. You put the quarter in. Matter of fact, I was, uh, fuck it, I, I'll go back. Still, you had to, you caught it in its prime. I was uh, 18 and went into the to the to the booth and put the quarter in. And I remember when the door, when the thing slid up, there was a black woman. And this is the time when women didn't shave their cooch just yet. Hairy pussy was hairy as a motherfucker. The bush. The bush. 
But so, yeah, I, I, I tasted a little bit of Times Square when it was that, but not like you did. And I, and I, and I, to, and I, and I remember telling this story. I remember I ran away from home when we, we lived on 433 West 34th Street on uh, 7th Avenue. And I remember I, I, I called myself running away from home and I stole some money from my dad, a couple hundred bucks. And I went to Times Square and this is back when, and see, this is what I'm talking about. Because certainly this shit don't exist no more. When you say characters, there were dudes on the street, hustlers, kind of motherfuckers for their money. And one of the games they would play is three card Monty. Which they still play, but they run away. It's not as much because the police will break it up now. Quick, quick. I haven't seen one since, but yeah, it's the dude with the box and he's shuffling the cards. And if you pick the right card, you win. If you don't, you lose. And this is how naive and young I was. They had the people around there. Ooh, ah, and they were working together. Right. I didn't know that. So when one person would win, which of course was set up that way, I just took the whole 200 and, you know, bam. And when I lost all that money, I was damn near crying. And after the dude saw I was a, I was a teenager kid. And he said, hey, man, I'm going to give you $20 back. And he gave me $20 back. And then get the fuck on. And took my money. So that was a little bit of that, that seediness. Yeah. But I guess, you know, the, the part where I would have loved to have ventured a little bit, uh, especially as, you know, as a young adolescent or a young teen, a.k.a. young man coming into your sexual prowess, is, dude, they had all them fucking sex houses. And they had places. And I remember when I went to Amsterdam, and they, and they have today. Places where you can see people fuck on stage. And I thought to myself at that moment while I was in Amsterdam, damn, in America, we're supposed to be the coolest country in the world. But yet we don't even have this. We had it. But, <clears throat> but America comes with uh, with freedom. And this is this freedom. Right. When you allow, and, and, and listen, this is really, this is a really fine line. For, let, me, let me put it to you in a different way so that I can explain it the way that I want to say it. Um, COVID right now. We're testing freedoms. Should you do this? Should you do that? You know what they do in China, right? No. They just lock you down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lock your door and keep you inside. Yeah, they'll, 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 right. they'll fucking nail your door right. shut. They don't want you coming. Right. What's best is best. You have COVID. You're in there. <laughs> Someone may or may not drop you off some food. Right. We'll see you later. Right. Hope you make it. Right. Here, we, we have a discussion. There's the, your rights. So when you have it, and the guy who was running it, the main guy, which was very interesting. He's also a character in this and uh, makes it very interesting that he's expanding this. But he's expanding and expanding. It. And in that expansion, he's creating more and more of a seedy atmosphere that's uh, attracting more and more crime. And the more that this happens, if you don't control it, if you don't put it in an area, you could have controlled it if you would have put it in a couple square blocks and said right. this is what it is. But now, you know, well, we're going to have a lawsuit because I should be able to do this or I should be so, yes, we're free, but we're free to fuck our shit up, too, when right. we don't want to put any controls on shit because we want to exercise our freedoms. We need both. There's a balance, but that's what happened. He, like when they showed a black and white photo of the dude fucking the girl and the missionary, and I mean, her legs are up over his shoulders. <laughs> and he said, you know, there would be some guys in there. And you saw him in the photos who were shielding their faces yeah. from the camera. And he goes, but then there were some dudes who were like, this is what I do. Yeah. I watch niggas fuck. And, and, and I'm just like, and the younger you are, and, and one guy said it, he goes, 
It was the naughtiness. It felt like something yeah. you weren't supposed to do. So as a young dude, if I would have had access to that, I'd have been like, that might have really fucked me up. No, and, and I think it does because, uh, like I said, the characters, the guys who worked out in front, the guys who were trying to bring people in, there's a noticeable difference between people who work in that industry, especially at that time, which it was. I mean, porn today, I mean, there's seediness to it. Yeah. But it's mainstream. It's not. Oh, it's very corporate. Yeah. But back then, it was it was different kind of cats that were running. Right. Us, you know, I, I, I'll tell you this. I think this is funny, but it may not be. Uh, there was a period where I had a job and I was working for a guy selling uh, restaurant um, uh, products. So, like, you know, just tinfoil, saran wrap, uh, mm. certain things that you needed for restaurants or, or hotels or whatever. We're ordering some supplies. Right. It's a supply company. And uh, one of our big uh, accounts was uh, this place called, uh, I don't know if it's still there. It was called Empress Theater. It was in, it was in Tucson. And uh, they used to order like all these Kleenexes from us, like a big order every month right. of Kleenex. And, uh, and, and, you know, I wasn't even really aware what it was for. I mean, I kind of knew, but it kind of didn't. I was just, I was young. I was right out of high school. I was trying to go to college and I'm working this job, just trying to make some extra money. And uh, I'm, I'm dropping this, these off, right? And it's, I don't know how many cases. It was a lot though. And uh, they raised the price of each box 10 cents. But because there's like 36, uh, I think, uh, boxes in each uh, each case, that's $3.60 per box. And then there was like maybe 20 boxes. So it was, you know, it was a little bit of money. And I remember going to see the guy and he just had, he was the owner. He was, you know, and you expect a perfect, but he wasn't, there was something different about him. And he was the owner of a, a porn, you know, this porn mm-hmm. place. But they, they called it a bookstore, but they had... Quarters, right? And he goes, man. He goes, they raised the price. He goes, that's that's. The, can you call them? And so I called. I put them on the phone. He goes, no, they raised the price. And he goes, you know what? Uh, just take these back. Uh, these guys are going to have to figure out how to clean up after themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's no more Kleenex in these booths. The right. guys have to figure out how to fucking handle. They bring their own Kleenex or whatever they're going <sighs> to do. Just a different mentality, man. It's just, it's you know not. It's the, the, there's a different mentality when it's just about fucking. You know, I want to go back to uh, one of the things they said about the Times Square situation. They said at one point the police would put up a picture that was basically a warning about what New Yorkers should and shouldn't do. Fear something. Fear something. And they had a picture of death yeah. with the sickle. And it said, I remember it said, stay in Manhattan. If you go to Times Square, don't do this. Don't do. It, they were literally telling you, yeah, you go get killed over there. Well, you're gonna get killed. You're gonna get pickpockets. You're gonna get robbed. Everything could happen in New York. And you know, obviously, crime was such a big, big fucking deal. But then, you know, seventy nine, eighties, or nineteen eighty, of course, the introduction of HIV and AIDS. Yeah. So between the crime, AIDS. And, and that seedy world, that shit finally got shut down. Well, they were starting to shut it down even before AIDS, but AIDS did knock it out. And they talk about that in there. Uh, crime was going to definitely be a problem. But remember, this is the 70s. Uh, unemployment is through the roof, so people can't get jobs. So robbing people, and so that's that's that's, right. that's, that's a job down because right. you don't have any money. Right. Uh, so robbing people, pickpocketing, all that stuff that's going to go on there. And, and, and straight up hustling people. So right. that's that's what's happening. That's when this is happening in Times Square. That's what makes this, again, 
and you if you if you have never spent a lot of time in New York or don't or, or spent time recently since it's been Disneyfied and it is Disneyfied and that is right. what it is. Um, Disney owns a lot of that property. If you haven't experienced that in New York, watch this. Not if, even if you don't care about the the killing and the, the serial killing, watch it. It gives you a really interesting look at New York at that time. Right. Um, you know, and, and again, they <clears throat> they go back as far as the twenties. Yeah. And you know, they said when women were selling pussy, they didn't like back in the in the in the in the the seventies and the early eighties, they'd be out on the street. But back in the twenties, uh, I guess that would have been too whorish. So they would just lean out the windows, you know, put a leg out the window, and that was the sign of if you want some pussy, come get it. Uh and, and, and by the way, when we talk about male gays, and we talked right. about on last week's podcast and men- mentioned it, the first business ever created in the world was between those legs. Well, of course it was, Andy. Our bread butler here. The 20s. What a glorious time. When men wanted snatch, all the women did was put their leg out and you could get a whiff of the cooch and a nice winter's breeze. And then you would say to yourself, I don't need to eat this coffee and donuts when I can go up there and bury my face in a bush and look like one of the white men that stormed the Capitol. Oh, it was a glorious time, Andy. The 1920s. Pussy has been being sold since the beginning of time. Back then, it was only five cents to get a lick. Now, it's $500. Either way, the taste is the same. Red Butler, yeah? You spent $500? Who, me? <laughs> oh. You said $500? That's a lot of money. Nigga, I've spent... <laughs> Come on, man. Look who you're talking to. <laughs> That's a sale, nigga. $500. Um, dude, back to this guy. Um, so that's the first like real like blip that he's on the screen that they're looking for, right? right. And then, oh god, one of the second murders, and 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 he seemed to his thing at first was hotels. Well, they they were all hotels basically, but he his. He would set it on fire. He would do the murder and then set the hotel room on fire. And the one that really fucked me up was the second one where he he was described as cutting the woman's breasts off and putting putting them up on a mantle. Uh, Jesus Christ. I want to say something real quick. Uh, And I say this with all due respect. So to all our female listeners, you know, some of y'all, Shannon, Cece, uh, Shamor, Farah, our girl, A.B. And, you know, this is, you know, this is right. I know she knows. Um, I don't mean insult y'all, but I have to say this this way. Being a woman is only a, 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 a upgrade from being a child. Uh, because the shit shop can potentially endure you know, or you do endure pregnancy, fucking menopause, hot flashes, potential rape victims. Being a woman, I hope I never come back in any life as a woman because y'all have to endure. Like, really, uh, unless you have a gun and you know how to use it, if a big, strong dude, a big, strong dude physically 
You're like children. You're basically defenseless. You're defenseless. Unless you just know martial arts and you like a Ronda Rousey, you're defenseless. And also like children, you're very volatile and make very little sense. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's that it goes with women and children on board. There's there, there is a connection because of the protection idea of who you protect. Right. Because and I'm not saying today there are women who could definitely defend and take care of themselves. But if you get someone that that is of size and of strength, it's 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 not that's that that is I understand that part of oh. uh, of of when women talk about men and what they have. I understand that part. That part make that makes sense to me. But what, what's we got to redefine this conversation. But anyway, let's. Well, no, but but it, 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 let me let me. It goes to uh, Dave Chappelle's great point on the special he did in the belly room when he described having done having done a show for drug dealers and he was paid twenty thousand in cash and he's on the subway with a backpack with twenty thousand in it and he said, "Man, if some of these niggas here knew what I had in this bag," and he goes on to say, "I think that's what it's like being a woman." You have something that everybody wants. And I mean, you know, depending on how bad some dudes want it, some dudes cross that line. So just the threat of, you know, if you're if I mean, look, the dude obviously went after streetwalkers. But like you said, he didn't start out with that. When they go back and show his earlier kills, they weren't streetworkers. No, they were just teenage girls that were. In his in his gaze, he could see them right. What he was doing, but if you but if you're a street worker or a woman in the, in an already dangerous atmosphere like that, and now the word is out, yo, there's this motherfucker biting women in the titty and cutting their breasts off and putting it on mantles and killing women and beheading bitches. Jesus, I would think that would be enough to make you go, oh, I gotta retire for a little bit. And so they catch this motherfucker. Well, they, but they don't. Well, they say, like, the women would check on each other. They would make sure that they were coming back. Um, yeah, there's, there is there is some camaraderie in that business where you had to make sure everybody was okay <clears> because that's how they were making their living. Uh, and I think the the show on HBO, The Deuce, was just about to get there right. in this because they, that's when they started having uh, women having problems with – well, they always showed them having problems, but where the danger part was creeping in and they were worried about – um, being taken away and killed. So I thought, uh, I think the Dukes was going to get there on HBO. Speaking of which, um, when they mention it in the uh, in the documentary, I, up until that point, thought the Deuce was just a show on HBO that they came up with and called it the Deuce. I didn't know that it was a real... Yeah, I didn't know what area it was, but then they say that the Deuce was represented 42nd Street and what 7th Avenue. 8th Avenue. 8th, between 7th and 8th right. Avenue was the was the area. So I, I knew that it existed. I didn't know the specific area, mm. but I also think it's interesting that in there, the one guy, go, the one writer says what he defined was Times Square, but there is no actual definition of what Times Square is. The actual area. What you mean? Like, a, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a, a perimeter. Yeah. Like but it's interpreted differently by other people. So Right. I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't realize that Times Square was kind of, but I guess that's the same way with Chelsea and and, and the other areas that you know make up certain people. Always, right. I mean, you know what Soho is because it's south of Hudson. That makes sense, but the rest of the areas, yeah, I don't even know how if you know, and I don't even think you you need to know that a threat is looming. 
or, or, or there's a situation. If you're going to be out in the streets in New York and you're a woman in that business, why not carry a gun? But yeah, that would make sense. Just why not? But that's why these women had pimps because the pimps were the ones that were supposed to be their protection. And if someone didn't pay or someone beat, beat them, the pimp was supposed to take care of them. That was their protection. That was their paid protection. Yeah, but often the pimps weren't with them during the moment. Yeah, that's that's true. But that was that's like having a gun in a in a different room while you fucking across town. That's what's scary about when we get back into this. There was a pimp and his girl that went to the police. You know, if you're a pimp that you go into the police, there's something very uh, right. This is past what you right. are willing to deal with. And of course, they made the point that you know. Sex workers couldn't really go to the police because you took a risk on being arrested. Right. But now the pimp and his girl are going to the police. That, that This is this is how that's why, I'm again, I'm saying this guy's scarier to me. And he looks like Santa Claus now. Oh, dude, look. <laughs> 2009, that motherfucker was Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, He's going to come down to your chimney. Dude. Uh, and then, you know, of course, he took his killings to Jersey, too. Well, and then you find out. <coughs> you know, that's funny. The the Bananas Comedy Club. Bananas in, uh, yeah, that's in it's Hasbrook Heights. Oh, is it really? That's, that's where he, oh, wow. that's, that's where the Bananas is. It, it was. I think right. it's going back there. But that's where it is. Uh, so, yeah, that's where, and then they start to put that together. They're starting to put that together. It's just amazing, again, how before really the advent of computers and this this connection, you could, like, it's going to be harder and harder as we go on, obviously, to commit crimes. I'm not advocating, excuse me, for, for committing crimes. I'm saying that it's going to be almost impossible for anybody to get away with anything these days. Between cameras, DNA, and, and, and the way that, that you can communicate now, you used to, you could probably do whatever you wanted to do as a person. <coughs> go Just go to a different state, a few states away, right. and they, it was like they weren't going to find you. <clears throat> Not that this, of course, this would never happen, but who knows? Um, if they could, if life had advanced and technology could do like the minority report and know that you would commit a crime before you do it and therefore they could arrest you, good or bad thing, I would imagine you'd have to say good. I'd say that it's kind of bad. Because of free will, you have to let. If God gives you, if God gives you, that means you're you're condoning somebody being killed. No, but if God gives you free will, then you have to have free will. You're, you're taking away free will because you're saying the the minority report was proven not in that movie is proven not to be right. Did you ever see Clockwork Orange? No. Even though this guy's a bad guy, they they come up with a way that you won't do any bad things. But you got to be able to give people free will. That's what it was about. If people can't do what there's. You have to allow humanity to be, have free will. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I know that I wouldn't want to be absent of my free will, but I'm not trying to kill anybody. Right. I, I don't know that you. But could in say, but in the sake of preserving life, how could you vote against it? Because as you watch Minority Report, there is no way to remove free will, and and you can't get it right all the time. You know, it was a creepy moment when. And the guy worked for a computer company. His name was Richard Cottingham. Right? Yeah. The guy works for a computer company. And during the murder where the two women were decapitated with their hands and their head, the one guy 
says he, he, he's, he reads it in the paper and he slams the paper down and he goes, what sick son of a bitch could do this? And the guy Cottingham who worked with him goes, he goes, he looks at me, shakes his head, he goes, you never know. Could be you, could be me. That is, wow. Well, again, and going back to the free will, the idea of free will, have you not ever thought about, like, were you mad and angry? Murder? I could kill this person. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a natural, yeah. But in a place where you wouldn't be even able to have those thoughts, that's that's removing your, you wouldn't be able to live your life if you weren't able to at least think it. Dude, I'm going to tell you, it, it, it's fascinating to a point where it's like, yeah, it, it to, to, what? Because to simply just brush it off as, ah, they're fucking sickos. But you go, what really goes on in the mind of someone like this? Where it's like this, look, man, if I truly got off on beating off till I come using peanut butter, as weird as that is, as funny as that may be, nobody's getting hurt. No lives are being taken. When you have a thing where you, that does something for you. Yes, we all say that sick, sick, fucking psycho. But what is it though? What, what's happening in the, in the mind that you are wired with you get off or you think that's okay? Or you're just sick. Is that what it is? You're just sick. I don't know, but that's again why this guy is scarier to me than Ramirez was because Ramirez, when I looked at him, I didn't feel a connection to him at all because he looked like he was no longer here. He didn't look human. His eyes were black. He looked like he looked like his soul was sold and he was gone. Like right. that was just a that was just some other entity doing what it did. Right. This dude has a has a family. Right. He goes home, kisses his wife. Honey, I'm home. What's for dinner? Lives that kind lives a life and on the side he's putting breast on the mantle. Right. That's scary to me because that guy lives next to you. And what's really weird, though, is that, yeah, he is married. He is going home. And for whatever this thing is that gets him off on doing this to complete strange, stranger women, like women that are strangers. Does he never go home and think I'm going to do this to the wife who probably nags me and gets on my nerves and who pisses me off? No. So how do you make that disconnection? Don't know. You'd have to have Santa Claus there. And I was expecting them in the documentary to say, you know, yeah, he was locked up, convicted. And then this year he died. And then when they showed that he didn't die, 2009, he goes to do the interview. And, and I'm going there. I said the same shit. This motherfucker look like Santa Claus. Looks exactly. Like Full it. white beard, white hair. That white big mustache. Everything else yes, was, was Santa Claus. But what's fucking me up is I'm going, as he's doing the interview, and I, I, I would imagine this is with most sickos until they reveal the sick part of them. You can't tell. And, and my whole thing is, to me, when you hear of such heinous, monstrous acts, you almost want to believe that they're really monsters. Like, there's a way that they talk. They're crazy. Rawr! Monsters. But when a guy just goes, yeah, you know, and blah, 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 and I'm talking normal, and I'm talking to you like I'm a guy sitting on a bar stool or your neighbor, hey, how's the weather? I'm going, what the fuck is wrong with you that 
You can appear to be that normal, but then click. And and that's the thing that, that that's again what makes him scary to me. Who do you think is more feared in prison? The big broad motherfucker, or the quiet motherfucker that killed whatever amount of people? Right. And, and you know, right. you know, yeah, that guy might kick your ass. That guy might beat you, but this other dude's going to figure out a way to eat all your toes. It's, it's weird. That's insane, man. And and even when they, uh, which I really don't understand, when they caught him in Jersey, they said uh, he was he had three hundred thousand dollar bail. Now, obviously, he couldn't afford it. How do you give someone like that bail? I well, I don't know because you don't have to give someone bail if you don't. Uh, but usually there is a dollar amount set. But Jesus, I don't know why you would let someone out. Again, and, and the police, the judges, maybe at that time they didn't understand. You don't start off with decapitating right. people. So, you know, you're standing in front of him. I, he decapitated, decapitated these people. I'm like going, okay, there's, there's a trail we haven't found yet. That's what I would be thinking. I can't let this guy out because, but yeah, you get, uh, you get bail. Uh, man, the uh, the other thing about this that's very odd, this documentary, is one of the lead people that you talk to, that is talking and doing the narration and telling, describing what's happened, is one of the dead sex workers, the, the, the first, the, from the decapitating, her daughter that she never met because right. she gave her up for adoption. Right. So this girl wanted to meet her mom, found out where her mom, where she was adopted from, had information on her mom, came to get that information and found out about this right. story. And she's the one that provides a lot of the information that you go through this. That is such a weird connection. And why, again, this is riveting because you're, you're, you're experiencing this from someone who was actually touched uh, by this uh, event, this, this, this man, this person who who did this, these heinous acts. You're not just getting this from uh, a cop or a reporter or something. You got someone who's, who's connected uh, biologically in a way to this. To be more specific, what I thought was kind of odd was when she goes, I, she said, now maybe, yes, there's an initial, I want to go see this dude, talk to this dude. Maybe he gives me closure. He answers questions once. But she goes, basically, we maintained a relationship. I, there were visits. I would go see him. And, and she acknowledged, yeah, we're not friends. And he's done some horrible things. But I'm looking at this. Girl, I don't know that I believe you. Well, you seem like you like 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 y'all. You like this motherfucker a little bit for whatever reason. I, I think people. <clears throat> want to know why people d- done things. And I think she was kind of, co- she was cooperating with the police a little bit to try to find out some of the other people. Right, there. right. So she, I think, I think the reason she met with him, from what I gathered, from what I watched, is that she got, she was getting some closure by being able to find out the other victims. And, and because the connection to her mom is, it has to be something, but she never met her mom. She didn't grow up with her mom. She didn't live she with didn't her mom. She didn't know her mom. So, the connection isn't as strong as it would be if this was her mom and right. they were walking down the street and mom disappeared. And then she was decapitated. This is someone that found out about it after the fact. So she, she has 
to be able to bring, to bring light to other people's uh, situation is, is part of her healing through this. I think I, I would think that you would do that because uh, you would want if he's giving you that information, you're one of the few people that can get it. You're actually providing something for others that are in this similar situation as you. This is a this is a, this is a personal question. Um, can someone like that be forgiven? Well, not by me. But the, the idea and is not by me either. The idea is you're supposed to be able to be forgiven, uh, and there are people who can and will. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I think that there's a. a I think <clears throat> you only have to forgive humans. And I think there's a loss of humanity when you're able to do something. Yeah, like that. when you cutting breasts off and decapitating people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I I have a list of people that I don't think need to be forgiven. I think their humanity is gone. I'm telling you, man. I you know, and, and I know this. You would see this in the movies, and I know that because in terms of humanity and <clears throat> all of that shit, it would never happen. But I think it's fair. You know, again, I hate hunters, killing animals. And in some places, you know, uh, obviously, you know, in Africa, some of it's banned. uh, But just as easily here, you can go shoot ducks out the sky or deer. I say, fuck that. You want to you want to use guns? Come on, man. Let the animals live. Take the serial killers and the sickos. Put them on an island, give them some weapons so it can kind of be a fair fight and let the hunters kill them. Yeah. Uh, but see, there's, there's pieces that you're missing that like when when you talk about deer, if you don't let people hunt deer and there's 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 overpopulation. Uh, right? And, and and there's a lot of problems with the deer and they starve to death and they're done. It, it causes the problems. There is still some necessity for hunting. Um, but when you talk about like going to Africa and you see uh, big game hunters. That's the, the licenses are expensive and very minimal because they don't want that many to be killed or they don't need any to be killed. There's a difference when you're hunting for that and when you're hunting as part of population control or part. Those deers need to. They need to go. Well, when you overpopulate, too, and in areas that we live, that's when you get to, when there's too many of them. They're running across the street and they're killing people because you're in the car and the, the deer's flying into your car and. I'm not, I, listen, the road, maybe that, maybe and there's people going to say, well, the road shouldn't be there. That's where the right. deers live. Right. Now you live there too. And, uh, and the deers are overpopulating. But then when you say that, I, I love, I love that you like my, that brains can, should be able to do this. I say that. And I believe what I just said. On the other hand, Thanos, <laughs> the right. idea was over by in the movie is right. overpopulation and you have to take care of overpopulation or you have too many, you, you mm-hmm. know, there's only so so much that you so many people that you can have. So is that is is that advocating the same thing? Are we really when I say that about deers? Can, could someone say that about us? Then could there be a, a, a another a level of uh, of nefarious goings on in this world? And then that's when you someone says, "Well, you could release a virus." Yeah. So I'm I'm not saying that that's what COVID is. I'm just saying. As much as I believe it's a conspiracy says, theory, right? Yeah. As, as yeah. much as what I'm saying, I believe in, and I do think that, yeah, you know, there's certain animals, certain animals that do need to be hunted. That's why they put out a limit on what you're supposed to get. Uh, but you need to take care of that population control. Well, we could, we could easily be put in that same conversation. So it's hard for me because if you 
just think. Right. Just don't don't stop thinking when you get your answer. Just continue to think. Right. I, I and maybe some people will understand that that's why I say some of the things I do because I'm continuing to think and redo right. my thoughts and move through things. This is what you get. This is what you get. I gotta I gotta I gotta tip my hat to the to the maid in in, in Jersey who had the ability to discover the body by vacuuming and hitting it under the bed, but then still keeping that job so she could hear another woman scream. Well, what's amazing about that too, you got to keep it together too. She, she, she did the, all the right stuff, but can you imagine, can you imagine being there? And I mean, what, I don't know. What would you, I would think that you'd just put your hands in the door and start pulling the door and going, dude, I, I was, I was watching that. And I'm like, if you do it quick enough, excuse me, you can't, Break yank the chain. door open and run like you, 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 you know, and of course he was standing behind it, looking at it to make sure she didn't do nothing. And, but, and she gave the cutthroat signal with a hand to the maid. And I think they showed that's when he closed the door. Yeah. But when you crack that door open, go for it. Yeah, I would think. But, you know, you're also you've been beaten and, you know, you're close to death. You don't know what the. Do so you think that fear just numbs you? Yeah. And I would think, okay, well, glass half full, half empty, but it also shouldn't motivate you. It can motivate you, but then you also go for, ho- for hope. I hope she sees this. I hope someone comes to save me. I hope someone. Versus, fuck that. Let me take my chances. Roll the dice and try to get this door open. And at worst case, if he tries to stop me, there's the struggle. There's the maid there now. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the one. I think I would have taken, but when you've been beaten or when you've been uh, cap, you've been you're captive now, and he's telling you to do something. He seems to be in control. You kind of lose your will because he has all the control. Right. So he tells you to do something. I mean, l- listen. That's it, it, when we talk about that's the same thing a, p- a pimp does, though. He takes away your control. He puts in a situation where he's in control, and you feel that he has he has the say in what you do. That's basically the same thing that he's doing. All right, let me, last point. I'm going to get racial for a minute. You'd be crazy to think that it didn't exist, but you so seldomly to never hear these stories because what's what's the common thing? Serial killers are mostly middle-aged white guys, and it seems like their prey is white women. Like, I'm like, damn, he didn't hunt no black women? None. So if you were a black woman at that time, you were safe. But I got to believe, but... There are no black women that, first of all, I think on record, or from what I've heard, two black serial killers, the one dude from the Atlanta child murders, and I forget the other one, but really serial killing ain't a black man's thing. But okay, but there are no black women, like where's the news? Where's these stories? Okay, so this is the other side of that. Is there no really black serial killers or has no one just given a shit? Black women are killed. Well, we know that Greta Van Zustrin, that's the name who I couldn't think of before, and Nancy uh, Grace. Grace, they don't have a cover that. They don't have a talk about that. So I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say there is or there isn't. I'm just saying, when you say that he didn't, you know, black women were safe, were they? Or did they just didn't get covered in the fact that, oh, well, there's a black woman, she's dead, she's a prostitute. Okay. So you're saying, that, that you're, you're saying that. Maybe he did fuck with black women. They just didn't give it the attention. Just put it in the file. Black woman, dead black woman prostitute. Uh, do we got that file? Yeah, it's that one over there. Is it in the case? No, you just throw it up there. Put the paperweight on top of it. 
Wow. Don't I, are you going to disagree with that or agree with that? No, I'm, I'm listen. We know that media coverage doesn't give equal coverage. So just to think that that's not within the realm of possibility would be insane. So by that same thing, if you had a, a, a black serial killer, but was only serial kill, only killing black women. And yeah, but goddamn, when you're a serial killer and you got that many bodies, at some point, does it? How do you not give that attention? You no, know, only it only takes two to be a serial killer. Now, to be a good serial killer, I think it takes five. <laughs> that, Look, that listen, when I devour a whole <laughs> box of cinnamon toast crunch in one sitting, that makes me a serial killer. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's all. You know, that's someone who is satisfied a, a killer's urge, killing multiple people. I mean. You go on a rampage, that's different from right. a serial killer planning, killing people. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying there is or there isn't. I'm just saying by the way that crime and punishment has been investigated in America, mm-hmm. it is possible that there could be others, but you wouldn't know because it would just be following the black. Mm-hmm. The niggas aren't important. You know the niggas aren't important. File that shit. Under don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about niggas. You know that. Well, if you if you say that the most protected people in America are white women, mm-hmm. right? So even on the bottom of that list would be a white sex worker, right? Right. But then there has to be a. It, 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 that's the end. Then it becomes black women. Let me say something. They bury dead white women on top of dead black women. <laughs> That's how much they don't give a shit. Only Paul Moody could say that. <laughs> uh, but I, and I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not trying to say that there are. It's not like right. I'm trying to. I, I'm just saying. How, do you know? Do we know? I, I mean, I'm still waiting for the Wild West. Uh, you know, you know, there's black dudes in the Wild West that are well, guns, yeah, gunslingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the stories? Well, no, but we've seen. On a lower level, movies like Posse. On a higher level, like Harder They Fall, right? The yeah. one with yeah. Regina King. Yeah. yeah. So, but we've seen. You see, but but where is the history of it? Right. You know. Uh, so I'm just saying. I don't think. Uh, listen, I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like asking for equal. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. And I'm right. saying it, it's 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 not. Uh, I don't think that the, it has been investigated that way. And I'm not... So like, even on the lower level of fucked up shit, we still are at the bottom. Well, I would like to think that that's changing, but, you know... We want to be equally known for killing. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but I, I think if they could... But to the other side of this, the same case, if they could put it on a black dude, especially back then, they would have. Right. So... There's two sides to that. Right. Are there or are there not? Maybe not, because you'd think that they would have loved to have been able to go, oh, no, this dude did it. 1-800-BLAME-A-NIGGA. <laughs> all of a sudden, my purse, yeah. my house got robbed and stole all everything. 1-800-BLAME-A-NIGGA. Dude, that would be the greatest skit where it's just like, it's a, it, it's Karen, please call. Right. K- Karen, please call. You, if Blame-A-NIGGA, Karen. All you have to do is blame a nigger, Karen. If you're having problems, if something doesn't sit right, if there's little nigglet kids selling barbecue links and chicken parts in your goddamn 
a park, caught what ain't nothing. Blame a nigga. Blame a nigga. That's what I do. Lemonade without a license? Lemonade without a license. Blame a nigga. Karen, call quickly. Karen, call quickly. Call 1-800-CHICKEN. 1-800-CHICKEN. <laughs> or the backup hotline, 1-800-WATERMELON. Call those numbers and you can blame a nigga. Uh, that's a great skit. Yeah. That, that really is a great skit. Yeah. All right. There it is. Check out this. It's, 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 really, it's really an intense watch. And, you know, sometimes when and it's on Netflix, when I'm going through Netflix and uh, I go to the documentary section, uh, I see a, a couple of these. There's one on Ted Bundy and I'll be wanting to watch him. But I'm, you know, I'm between the squeamishness and the, 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 the horrificness of, of that shit. I, I, you know, I don't want to fall in love with those. No, but they're really they get you. They do. But I really like that this was three episodes. It was the, short and sweet. It was the right amount. Yeah. It got me in because it gave me New York. Yeah. And then it gave me. I, I, that's why I wanted you to watch it because I'm going, Andy's going to love this. No, I, Times Square. I loved it. He likes this type of dark shit. He's going to love this. <laughs> I do like dark shit, but I don't necessarily like. I'm, I'm not a fan of. I'm not a serial killer fan. It's not like I've ever like. Right. No, no. There's some people, you know, that not that there's. I don't know. The, I'm not going to say that they're twisted or anything, but there's some people that really are into following dude, this dude, shit. Dude, they're like, there are the same way some motherfuckers get dressed up to go see Star Wars. There are fanatics with everything. Yes. With everything. Uh, so, you know. This isn't, and, and this is just like I was saying, it's not my thing, but this story, like, I, I mean, I appreciate the Night Stalker because it right. gave you a lot of information, but I didn't love that. This one, I actually was like, wow, this is really a good you watch. say that. All right. I, I love how New York is brought into it. I love. They could have told the story without the killer. They could have told the New York story of the deuce, really, in here. Right. But the killer is like kind of the way to get you right. through all this. It's very interesting. I love that aspect of seeing New York at that period of time. And it was actually a horrible time uh, economy-wise and what people were going through. But New York, and, and I guess when it comes down to the bottom line, I miss a little of that seediness. I miss a little of the danger of New York. I miss yeah. the that attitude that you don't want. Had. You know, you don't want people get hurt and shit like that. But you know, New York. You know, it, it was. You know, it, it had its. It was identified by that a little bit. It, it was. <clears throat> you know, you had yeah. to keep your head on a swivel. You had to know what was going on. Put yeah. your motherfucking map away. <laughs> I love that. It freaked me out. I thought we were fucking like, up. bitch. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. There, there was there was just a difference, and and you know, there's something that comes from that. You know, you you there's there's a savvy about you that when you that was them them was them seventies niggas back then. Hey, look here, look here. See that white bitch with the bap out? Shit, we gonna get this motherfucker. Break this bottle, Psh, bitch. Give me your money. Yeah, dude, I love in the Deuce on HBO the the, the scene when they show um, the pimps at the bus stop mm-hmm. because they're waiting. This you can again, you tell people who you are almost immediately, right. and you would see people get off on the bus that were coming out, and and they had this, you know, those dudes can see who they are, right? And, and right. they do talk about that and over <clears throat> over glorifying like an iceberg slim at the time right. in the movie. But it was what it was. It was. <clears throat> All right. 
Uh, oh. and, and speaking of pimps, uh, if y'all ain't aware of it, go get the movie. Go see the movie. Um, I'm about to fuck up with uh, Christopher Reeves and Morgan for Street Smarts. Where Christopher Reeve, uh, where Martin, damn Martin, Morgan Freeman plays a pimp. And uh, Christopher Reeves plays a reporter who's covering that kind of life. And uh, God, it's great. Morgan Freeman. I think Morgan Freeman is uh, in his 30s in this, but of course he looks 60. He looks, he looks 60 until he was like 70. Right. Now he looks. Nine. 62. No. <laughs> no, he. When he breaks the Yoohoo bottle, with that, that pussy belong to me, bitch. Those titties and that ass and that pussy is mad, bitch. And then uh, uh, Christopher Reeves being a concerned white man. Hey, 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 hey. What, you want some of this? Oh, it's great. Listen, I, you guys, <clears throat> um, this black don't crack thing, guys held up for a long time. When it's cracking. Wait, COVID. And when we saw everybody on TV when they couldn't get their right. hair fixed right. up, and then we saw we saw the gray start right. coming through, right. everybody started looking a little. Got everybody grew a little bit of age. <laughs> okay, uh, so where, where we're at is that what we want to know? Yeah. Okay, so we listen to this. Uh, that's going to be listen to this on the second, I think. Yes, on the second. Yes. So uh, that weekend we're going to be uh, guys. We're in San Jose. Uh, improv. We're going to be there the 4th through the 6th. That following week, I am recording my album at Helium in Indy on the 9th. If you'd like to come out, tickets are cheap. I'd love the support. I need the support. Uh, so come on out. Otherwise, uh, the 10th through the 13th, I have the 12th, but you said you thought it was through the Sunday, and they'll probably add a show anyway. Mm. Uh, Aries will be at Houston Improv with Neary. So if you're wondering who this Neary character is that you've heard us talk about on the podcast and you've heard him on, one or two of our podcasts? Yeah, one or two. Yeah, you uh, you can meet Neri over at Houston. Uh, cool dude, funny dude. So go check out uh, Aries uh, and Neri at the Houston Improv, where I will be still in Indy, uh, finishing up the shows, featuring there, and getting some more recording for my for my album. The following week, uh, that would be February 17th through the 20th, and like I said before, looking forward to it, the DC Improv. And then the 25th through the 27th, we'll be in Louisville at the new comedy club out there called the Louisville Comedy Club. And their <coughs> good ownership, I think it's going to be a great club. I'm very excited to do that. And I'm going to give you the first date in March because I'm excited to do this because this is brand new. This is also coming from the good guys who put together Helium. Cap City in Austin, uh, the 3rd through the 6th, we're going to be in Austin. And that will be our first time there of the reopening of Cap City. But yeah, I've never been to Austin. So I'm very excited to go out there into the Joe Another Morgan part territory. of Texas. I've been to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Odessa, and Beaumont. Uh, so this will be at my sixth place in Texas. But I think this is uh, now it should be called the uh, Austin, Texas, Joe Rogan Territory. Mm. It's, that's not his club we're doing, right? No, but that's who he's in Austin. Oh, okay. They're of all, course, we wouldn't be doing this club. You don't like me. He, he's not open yet. All right. Give him, give him time. Why, do you, why do you say he, he? I don't think that he does. It's not that he likes or does, dislikes you. I don't think that. I don't think that he knows you. And I. <laughs> no, I know he knows you, but I don't think he knows you as a person. I don't think that he's like or dislike. You guys just don't have a, a, a relationship. Right. That's cordial. You you can forge that relationship. Let's make that relationship when when we're in Austin. Let's right. let's go find out where Joe is and say hi. Yeah. I'm going out there a day early because I wanted just to go check out Austin and the comedy scene. Right. Maybe if my feet smell like a UFC fighter. 
he might like me. Uh, all right. If you call up Russell. Russell Peters? Yeah, and see, maybe he can get you in some jujitsu classes to show you how to, how to roll. <laughs> right. All right. Oh, and to any new listeners, uh, if you want to email into the program about anything and give your opinions and thoughts, uh, please, Gary Spears, 45 at Hotmail. All right. Hey, guys, Steve here. Uh, we had a little issue with the music, but I'm here to introduce our musical guest this week. We have Maniac Flame coming to us with a song called Against All Odds. You can find Maniac Flame at Maniac Flame on Instagram, uh, at Twitter, at underscore Maniac Flame, and you can find him on all music platforms, Maniac Flame. So here we go, Maniac Flame. You fight this shit every day, you just gotta keep pushing, you ain't letting nothing stop you, feel me? For real. Hey, hey, look, flame, you official. Taking off just like a missile. Working hard, guaranteed to get your issue. Pain come daily, negative, I'm not into. Counting cash, staying low key in this rental. I got too many choosing, honestly, where do I start? Only looking for a damn chick to play a part. Fucking up cash with my bros, we in charge. Out of space vibes, come get high with the stars. Focus up, I'ma get this money independent. Know it's game time, never treat this like a scrimmage. Everything I got, I'm putting everything in it. Seen shit, yeah, made me wanna do different. You always got a choice, it's on you for those decisions. Broke my heart heavy, hate to know my people missing. Smoking woods back to back, keeping me from tripping. Writing hella music, fatherhood and staying distant. Nothing stopped the movement, some days I'm not okay though. Who can I run to if a nigga able? I remember it was no heat and no cable. Funny how we still brought shit to the table Yeah, love my big brother like no other For you a thousand times, I turn into a gunner Told me that she loved me, honestly, I can't love you Crazy how I still wanna hear what I can give you We against all odds, we against all odds We against all odds, we against all odds We against all odds, we against all odds Talk to get it how you living Young niggas with no guidance, but we get it my cousin, I was gone for a minute, man. Yeah, had to stay strong, cause sleep stay strong. So I'm with it every day until my gang gone. But giving in too many that wanna see me finish. Up against all lies, yeah, I'm moving different. Yeah, this what the hood make. Young nigga with ambition on a good day. Pray you see your future right, embrace the hood ways. It's okay to make it out, it's what I should say. Yeah, just gotta be the Thanks for listening to the Spears and Steinberg podcast. If you'd like to know who's responsible for this shit, well, it was hosted by Ari Spears and Andy Steinberg, produced by Steve Merrick and Anthony Holmes, executive producer, Big Papa, Robert Kelly, and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcast. For more information on where to find us on the internet, visit www.spearsbergpod.com. The just cause you say it with conviction, it don't mean shit to me! Don't you think you're being kind of hard on the guy? You go fuck yourself, convict!